Welcome to The Mountain Podcast. The Mountain Church is dedicated to helping people love Jesus and the people they encounter every day. Today, you will listen to our most recent Sunday sermon. So sit back, relax, and let Jesus speak to you wherever you may be. And now, this week's sermon. We're in a series this month uh, called Deep Wells. And the whole idea here is we wanted to do a family series because God loves families and we're a family. Uh, And as I talk to people about uh, some of the ideas around family and learning and growing, uh, came to to realize a couple of things about family. Uh, And so I... uh, we went with the approach of, of Deep Wells as a series on family called Deep Wells uh, because there's, there's a lot of depth that's experienced in families. Uh, the positives, the blessings are experienced in depth. The joy, the laughing, the love experienced in depth. But uh, as we probably become aware in our life uh, at this point, uh, also some of the harder things in family uh, in deep places of whether it be pain or challenge, or brokenness, are also experienced in family. Uh, so family uh, is this really interesting dynamic. Um, we're a church family. We have blood families that we come from, draw from, relate to. And there's a lot of depth to be covered in it. Uh, God cares about the depths. Deep calls into deep. It talks about in the Bible. And so God does a work in our life that is deep. Uh, and we all have different personality types, so not everyone would see themselves as deep, or as like philosophical, or maybe even cry, cry, emotional type of deep, Um, but we all have depth to us. It just shows up and looks a little different, and God does a deep work in each of our lives. And uh, so how many of you guys have seen that you've experienced deep joy or love in your family? How about deep uh, pain, suffering, trauma, brokenness in family? Absolutely. We all have similar experiences in that we've seen depth in our family. Uh, and I love God because he actually addresses and he handles and he approaches these places. He doesn't just try and fix up the front of the thing and the surface of the thing. God loves us so much. He goes to those deep places and uh, he speaks great things, life, blessing. He heals us. He frees us. He pulls up roots in those deep places. So we're going to focus on deep wells in this series. Uh, and today we're going to focus on uh, Isaac and Je- uh, Genesis 26. Uh, Isaac, uh, and you probably have heard of Isaac at this point as a biblical character. Uh, So uh, Abraham and Isaac, there's these kind of connection points we're going to see today. Uh, We're going to see deep wells of blessing, and we're going to see deep uh, patterns that uh, are seen in Abraham and Isaac, Uh, sin patterns, brokenness, and things like that. And uh, you've probably seen or observed certain parts of pattern in your life or in your family line, uh, because the depth doesn't just get contained to one generation, uh, it's generational. So you'll see a pattern. You'll see that you look or sound like your parents in some way, or grandparents in some way, uh, and you'll observe these trends, and so the depth goes beyond just a lifetime, it's actually generational. And we see this is no different with Isaac, and um, so Isaac, if we pick up in Genesis 26, 1 through 35, It says, now there was a famine in the land besides the former famine that was in the days of Abraham. So right away we see a connection to the generations that both generations experienced famine. And so Isaac went to Gerar, to Abimelech, king of the Philistines. And the Lord appeared to him and said, do not go down to Egypt. Dwell in the land of which I shall tell you. Uh, And right here in verse 3, we see that Isaac uh, is blessed by God. 
And you might see it as familiar because when Isaac is blessed by God here, it's very similar to the language of how God blessed Abraham before Isaac. So we see this pattern, this depth that went generational in blessing. And I think this is important because you can probably recognize, it might be really hard for you, but you could probably recognize certain blessings that have come from your generational line. Uh, some easier than other can draw on, hey, that was a blessing. That was hard, but that was a blessing. That was tough, but that was a blessing. Uh, and so you and I should be able to uh, identify the blessings that have come uh, that God has done a work in our grandfathers, grandmothers, grand, uh, fathers and mothers, and now in us. And this blessing runs deep through the generations. And so you can see in verse 3, it says, Sojourn in this land, and I will be with you and will bless you. For to you and to your offspring, I will give all these lands. And I will establish the oath that I swore to Abraham, your father. Again, we see a connection here. The depth runs generational. I will multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven and will go to your offspring um, and will give to your offspring all these lands. And in your offspring, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed because Abraham obeyed my voice and kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws. So Isaac settled in Gerar. Uh, here's, here's something really good to see about this is that the blessing of your life will have an effect not only on you, but people around you. Uh, sometimes we don't recognize this to be something that is not just spiritual, but also pragmatic. If you see somebody with uh, a certain blessing or aptitude for financial, uh, do you want to go? You go ahead. Oh, you staying there? I feel like we're playing tag right now or something. So here, the you see in your family line, though, you have a certain aptitude for certain things. You've seen some people that just finances come easy. Have you noticed this about them? They're just blessed. They just touch things and it's gold. Uh, I was climbing the other day, and uh, the, there was this uh, young lady that was, well, she was 30 years old. I'm 34, so I don't know if I should call her young or my age or whatever, but uh, she was in business. She, she's part of like a cryptocurrency business now. She was in oil and something else that had a lot of money in it, and uh, she was talking about business, and she was telling me about it, and she was like, you know, what's really interesting is that I learned so much of this from my dad who was a business owner, and she's like, I didn't even realize the principles of business that I was learning as a kid that now I'm able to utilize, I'm able to understand business, thrive in business because of what my dad gave me. It's a really good example of a pragmatic generational blessing that she'd experienced uh, in her life, and we can see this shown up in our personal lives. I don't know what your aptitude is or what you would point to as being a generational blessing. But Isaac saw and witnessed the voice of God saying, look, I blessed you in the same way that I blessed Abraham. So, so seeing this connection in your own life, like how has God blessed you and how is it connected, if at all, to your family line? It might not be connected because God can do a new thing. Later on, we're going to see that Isaac unearthed certain wells that his that Abraham had established, but also dug new wells. So you and I can be blessed similarly to how our family was blessed, but we could also be blessed in a totally new way, absolutely new way. And that's beautiful to see because God does a new thing as well as restoring old things. Have you seen this about your life, that God restores old things and then he also does new things you've never seen before? That's super exciting because we're not contained 
to just what our generational pattern has been. God has this design and this partnership with us that he's meant for us not only to experience the fullness of our human generational blessing, but also the fullness of our heavenly father blessing. And as good as our parents or our generational blessings can be from people, from grandfathers, grandmothers, fathers, and mothers, the blessing of our heavenly father is fuller and holistic to what God wants to do in our life. Uh, The fullness of Heavenly Father is the design. Not the fullness of a good earthly father, but the fullness of Heavenly Father. And this should be seen as the full picture. The partial picture can be a good earthly father. Like Brixton, my son, Brightly, uh, Presley, and Monroe, my daughters, uh, they'll get to experience the, the, the partial blessing of me. Uh, I'll give them all that I got, but it'll be partial in the face of God's blessing in their life, which means I'll give them certain skills, I'll give them certain insights, I'll give them certain blessings, but I'll also accidentally give them certain other things as well. Maybe not positive. And they're going to have to wrestle with that one day. They're going to realize dad's not perfect, dad's not the best. Brixton already sees it. He can hear when my seatbelt unclicks before we get to the destination, of which he gently reminds me that we're not there yet. He's really good at that, and uh, I love it so much. Um, and uh, uh, there's, But there's this dynamic, right? So they'll receive certain blessings from me, but also they'll receive certain things that you know, we can start to use language that would be like there's blessings and there's curses. There's holistic healing of who God's nature is. There's the characteristics of God that because they're my kids, they'll have a better and easier time operating in some of those characteristics, whether it be courage or strength or fortitude. And then some of the other attributes of God, they'll have a harder time accessing because I don't have a surplus or a natural uh, growth pattern or freedom in it yet. So they're going to have to learn from God how to be like God in those ways. You guys tracking with me? So I'll give them a part, but not the whole thing. And this is good for us to recognize, and they should recognize it at some point. Right now they should still have some version of dad's a hero in their eyes. Uh, and maybe we let that last until about 45 or 50 years old. And then, maybe then, they could admit that I don't have everything. So you see in verse 3 through 5 that there's, there's a blessing that God does that's similar to the generational blessing that's run deep in our family lines. And God says, look, I'm blessing you like I've blessed your family line in these ways. But also, and in verse 7, if you see there's patterns of sinful behavior, there's tendencies we can recognize that run deep. And they don't just run deep in our lives, but they run deep in that they are patterned in our family. Sin patterns that are real. And in verse 7, it says, When the men of the place asked him about his wife, he said, She is my sister, for he feared to say my wife, thinking lest the men of the place should kill me because of Rebekah. Because she was attractive in appearance. And uh, this, is, this is really an interesting uh, thing for him to do. Uh, because in Genesis 20, six chapters earlier, we actually see Abraham doing the same exact thing. 
it's almost eerie how exact it was. Abraham went to Gerar and, uh, and interacted with Abimelech as well. Not the same person. It's a dynastic title. Uh, so different Abimelech, you might say. Uh, but Abraham says the same thing. Hey, it's not my wife. It's my sister. And so you see Abraham and then Isaac express the same tendency in the same spot. The same sin pattern shows up because it's not only blessings that run deep in generations, it's also curses. It's not only strengths that run deep in family, it's also weaknesses. It's not only holistic tendencies that run deep in families, it's also partiality and it's brokenness and it's chains and shackles. Oftentimes you'll see grandfathers hand down to their sons uh, or the, to fathers chains and, and the fathers hand down those chains to other sons. And somebody at some point has to become wise to the bondage that is being handed down from generation to generation and disrupt the chaos and disrupt the line of bondage and brokenness. Somebody, right? And so this doesn't give us a green light to say we are victims of our generations. What it does is it gives us an insight to what God wants to do with us right now. So we should see what our family lines have given to us in blessing and curse, but we shouldn't give it permission to remain just because it has been. The one in you is greater than he that's in the world. The author of lies, deception, chaos, uh, defeat, and all these things is the enemy. And we see some of those roots of bondage, those roots of bitterness inside of us. But we should see that the power of God is and always will be greater than the power of the enemy or the pattern of sin. So when you recognize a pattern in your family that sins in this particular way, whether it be alcoholism, addiction, whether it be lying when they're afraid. See, Abraham lied. He's afraid that he would get killed and his wife would be. So he lies in this place and so does Isaac. So they, did, they operated in deception. This is a story to show side by side how Abraham and Isaac were blessed, but also how they had this sin pattern that was a curse to their expression. And they needed to learn, and we need to learn how to break these things. We need to learn how to observe and see them and almost step outside of our skin and go, whoa, what's happening here? Why am I doing this? Why am I talking like this? Why am I operating like this? And why is this in my family? So I, uh, I was at Starbucks this morning, and I was just praying, doing my thing, you know. And I was about to leave, and there was this little guy that walked in with his dad, and they were hanging out. This little guy must have been like three or four years old. Uh, and uh, Rickson's about eight years old now. And uh, so I see this kid, right, and him and his dad are having a good time or whatever. And then the kid, uh, it goes to, like, get the drink and the food, right? He's, like, really excited. So he kind of looked like my son, right? He, especially in the morning at three or four years old, his hair's like here, you know? What I'm talking about, he's it's like all over the place. And he had like kind of an outfit that looked like he chose it, you know? He was out with dad, which it sounds exactly how I am. I'm like, what do you want to wear? He's like, I want to wear this. And I'm like, sounds good. Don't tell your mom. And also let's let no one get picture evidence because <laughs> it's really bad, but I love it. So... <laughs> Um, and, uh, so we were, at, so he was out and, and so he was, he was, he was excited to do like the, the, the strong, you know, big boy thing, which is to get the food and the drink for him and his dad. It was really sweet because he was on the wrong side. He was where all the overpriced snacks, you know, are. 
and not on the side where you pick up the drink and food. And so anyways, I see that all of a sudden, like out of nowhere, I was happily going about my, my morning out of nowhere, thought dawns on me. Your son's eight. You're never going to get to experience this in a little boy three or four years old again. And all of a sudden, you know, as a parent, you just start melting like ice cream in the middle of a Vegas summer. And you're just, what? Out of nowhere, my eyes start getting wet and watering. And I start having like this real cry come on. Not like tear up, that's a sweet moment. But like, I was like, oh no, I got to get out of here. (laughs) This is going to become embarrassing really quick. And it's a Starbucks right here. So I go to it like three or four times a week. So I was going to have to see those people again. And uh, so I was like, oh, no. And it, But it dawned on me that it's true. It's true that that point in my life with my son in that way is gone like a vapor. And so my personality tendency is to sprint away from sad things. My proclivity, like Isaac's and Abraham was, to lie You know, they get into a Philistine camp, a hostile scenario. Their tendency is to lie about the status of their wife. See, this is not my tendency. My tendency is a truth speaker. I'd be like, that's my wife. You know what? I would want to fight anybody and everybody, and I'd probably die right on the spot, but I would have told the truth. So Abraham and Isaac's weakness, their sin pattern in their generation is different than mine. See, mine, I can recognize it as I'm really, really good at pursuing and driving forward. I'm even really good, you might say, at being in the future, planning and pushing and going and driven. But man, do I struggle being present. Man, do I struggle. And so sometimes these waves hit me of God reminding me, inviting me to repentance to say, hey, be present here, Samuel. You, 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 if you don't choose to be present like I'm present here, like God is present. He's not just designing your future. He's not just the God of plans and dreams for your future. He's also in the boat with you during the storm. So God's like, hey, look, I'm present, so I need you to be present with your family. And I'll, oh, and I'll just get these tears that come on. What is it? It's sadness. It's a, it's a call to repentance to turn from my current emotional pattern. A thing that I would see in my family, like my family, I go and visit my mom's side. It is wild how much I'm like, oh, you guys are all crazy like me. This is wild. You're all obsessive like me. You get into something like I would remember my uncles would always be into something different whenever I'd go down there. And I'm like, this is like me. I get like super into something and it's like everything. It's like the air I breathe. It's all of my YouTube searches. It's all of my Google searches, my offer up listings. Everything is climbing. Everything is dirt biking. Everything is, you know, like I'm, I'm, uh, I'm doing some other things with my son right now. And I say it's because he's into it. But I run so far ahead. I'm not even sure he's into some of them still but I'm full-fledged. I'm all in, man. I'm becoming like a master at whatever he was into. And I'm like, what do you think about this, man? He's like, what are we, I'm not even into that anymore. I'm like, oh no. <laughs> oh no, I sprinted ahead and now you're not with me anymore. And, and so I see this kid in this spot and just in a moment I'm reminded that life is like a vapor, be present. Man, yeah. 
See, I didn't learn this from my family, right? I didn't learn these, these things. These, these weren't the strengths of my family. My family's good, right? But I didn't learn these things from my family. But I'm learning these things from God. He speaks to me. He calls to me. And Holy Spirit's so faithful to author not just the blessings we've already got from our family, but also call us to repentance that is atypical of our family line and expression. So when you've seen your family line be riddled with addiction, God speaks to you a liberty that is unique to you and that can't be seen in your family. So what Isaac can learn in this place is how to speak the truth when there's a high consequence and cost to the truth. It's something that he couldn't learn from his father. It's something that he was going to have to learn from God. And there's things that we won't be able to draw on our giftedness or on our family patterns to be like God. And there's those things that we're just going to have to learn directly from God. We're going to have to see it in somebody else and be like, look at that. Like I see sometimes Sean, my friend here, uh, he's a really good father. And he's a good father and skilled in ways that are inspiring to me because they don't come natural to me. And I like learn and I'll listen to him talk about certain things. He probably doesn't know this, but you know, I do. And so he's finding out something. Jess finds out some things when I'm preaching and Sean, you'll, yeah. So people find out things about me when I'm preaching. It just happens. And so I'll learn though, right? And I'm like, that's a really cool way to father. Like, that's amazing. I, I don't even, I don't know what that means. That's unique. That's different. I remember my buddy Barrett, uh, He's, uh, we grew up together, and he was a different athlete than I was. Like, I was really aggressive, right? So, like, I would have, like, five fouls every game kind of a vibe, you know? And when I would play soccer, I would have yellow cards and all these things, just everything. He was a brilliant soccer player, and he would play soccer so different than I would play any sport. And I, lo- I used to love watching because he was, like, patient. He was super accurate. He was really methodical, and he was, like, tempered the whole time. Like, there was no spikes of emotions. Like, I would have, like, full-on, like, emotional, like, 10 out of 10 emotion situations. And he was just like, like Johnny Cash, you know, just, like, smooth and just a train that just kept going. And I was like, oh, that's super inspiring. And you learn from it, right? You draw from it. You're like, that's amazing. I I love that. I want to grow in that. And so people around us, community around us, could actually speak to a blessing that God wants to give us that we don't currently possess yet. But if you and I are only persuaded that we could only be blessed in the way that we have been blessed by our families, then we're going to be super limited. And we're going to be incapable of growth that is anything beyond what we have experienced from our families. And we're going to always be in prison to the curses we experience that our, curse, our families experience. And we'll always be stuck in those places of bondage and then also just able to operate in those freedoms. But the call of God on our life goes way beyond just what we have received from family. What we've received from blood family, it runs deep, and God wants to do a deep work inside of us. And this is something we've got to give God permission to do. Because it's not always convenient. Crying in the middle of Starbucks isn't convenient. It's not enjoyable. I'm crying on the way to church, and I'm like, all right, man, we got to get a hold of ourselves here. And I used to run from this. I used to suppress these emotions and be like, these aren't fun. I got a sanguine in me. I want to have fun. Let's go do something fun. This isn't fun. And, uh, but I, what I realized is that, you know, God is close to the brokenhearted. 
So if I don't want to be close to broken things, to brokenheartedness, whether it be in me, and I don't want to be present in those things, I very well may be choosing to to not be where God is. And we got to be willing to go where God is, even if it's not our strengths. So he leads us through the through the valley of the shadow of death. He doesn't just lead us on the mountaintop. He's also walking with us in those shadow of death situations. And and it's like, oh, I don't really like this place. But when I can recognize I haven't been present at different points of motion with my kids, I can repent. I can humble myself. And I I, I drove away and I prayed something unique to, to my life that I hadn't really prayed before. I said, God, look, I've been trying, I've been trying, I've been trying. I've been trying to fix this thing where I'm not present as much as I need to be or, or, or to the amount of balance that you're calling me to have. I've been trying, God. And I, I just had this place of humility and contrition, almost even like I don't have the strength to do it. God, I really need your help. And I prayed on the way here. I was like, God, I, I need you. Like, I need you to do this in my life. I'm, I, like, I'm really, it's a real point of desperation, not a conjured de- desperation moment. It's like I'm crying because, like, I see, like, have I been present with my son like that? Am I present with my son or am I disconnected from the present because I'm driving towards something? And I can see it. I can see this place that God is calling me to. It's really uncomfortable. Because you know what's interesting about the present is it's never perfect. But maybe the future can be perfect. If I just keep driving towards the future, maybe I'll get there. But this isn't true. This isn't true. There's this, there's this recognition of truth that I've got to be confronted by, right? So in my life, I see this blessing in my life. I can see the blessing of it. Like I, we're going to cool places, right? There's cool visions. There's cool desire. There's cool vision where we're going. But I just see God inviting me to be present. Be present. Be present. Be present. And you can see, it goes on to talk about how Isaac was blessed. He would sow and he would reap a hundredfold. He became so wealthy and prosperous that he became the envy of the Philistines. They were jealous of how amazingly blessed and prosperous he was. So I could see in my life how certain blessings have even made people envious. But I could also see certain sin patterns and certain fears and certain brokenness. And I got to say, God, perfect love come into my life and it's going to cast out fear. When God wants to go deep, it's not just so you can see how deeply blessed you are. It's also so that he can remove those deep places of brokenness, those deep places of toxicity and poison. The Bible talks about a root of, a root of bitterness can defile many. The deep places of our life, if you really go there with God, you'll see that you're deeply blessed in specific amazing ways. And you'll also see that you have other things living in the deep. And what are those things? Are they roots of bitterness? Are they brokenness? Are they partialities? Are they deceptions? Are they judgments? Allow yourself to go to those deep places. God doesn't just bless us. He also removes curse from us. See, when perfect love comes into your life, it casts out fear. I talk about this a lot. God doesn't just give you good things. He removes bad things. God doesn't just give you love and pet your back while you're being dominated by fear. God's love walks into the space, and it causes and it evicts fear. So when it says God is standing at the door of your life, and he's knocking, and he wants to come in, 
there is a purpose in it to give you fullness of life and to remove the fullness of death, whatever that death may be. So this is beautiful because God's doing this work. When I see it in my kids, sometimes, and I've had this conversation with a lot of parents, sometimes we get in this place where, like, I am terrified at the damage I'm doing to my kids that I'm not even aware of. I'm terrified of the damage I'm doing to people that I'm not even aware of. Like, I'm a pastor of a church, so sometimes I'm like, oh, man, I might be doing a lot of damage and not even realize it. Oh, no, let's blame it on Tim. He's like, I got you. (laughs) All of a sudden, you start to become aware of the potential for life that you have and the potential for death. And you're like, wow, this is really interesting. And have I given positive things to people? Have I given life to people? Have I spoken words of God and truthfulness and love? Yes. Have I spoken hurtful things, idle words? Have I caused damage? Have I maybe even caused death in people in different seasons? The answer is yes. You can run from that reality. Did Isaac bold-faced lie and repeat a generational curse? Did he echo that curse into, into that space and that time that was coming from Abraham? Did he do that? Yes. Was Abraham also blessed? Yes. Was God doing a work in him that was fuller and was meant to go even deeper than those places? Yes. The answer is yes for all of us. What is God doing in your life? I promise you it's beautiful. I promise you it's not just be a missionary in Africa and leave everything good you've ever known. Like there was so much of this fear when I was a kid that if you were called to the ministry, it meant you were, you were going to be poor and destitute, have no friends, and end in a bloody martyrdom somewhere in a third world country. This was the fear that I had. Like it, when they would do a ministry, did, did any of you guys experience like a, hey, how many of you feel called to a full-time ministry? Do you experience this? Like Jessica never responded to the call. I want you guys to know this. I did a couple of times, you know, uh, and, uh, but I, we, we were always scared and we would talk about it and we'd laugh. It was like, man, those were the scariest things. When somebody was like, if you feel your heart pounding, it might mean that you're called to full-time ministry. And you're like, my heart's pounding because I don't want to do it. God didn't pound my heart. You did. No. But it, it's, this, it's this idea that like you can have no good thing when you walk with God. I'm not saying that walking with God doesn't have its challenges, dying moments, dying to self, alive in Christ. But I'm saying it's also not just bleak and dark. It's not just the first chapter of Lord of the Rings, you know. There's also like victory, you know. And, and, and there's also beauty in the midst of all of it. There's the fact that you might be in a storm, but that with God you have the ability to take a nap. Like that's unique. That's God-like nature. That's not humanistic. That's God-like. And when you and I can actually operate in this space of understanding, like, these deep places matter. And this is where God does his most beautiful work. I, I want to bring up a scripture to you guys that I think is really important. Psalm 42.7. It says, deep calls to deep at the roar of your waterfalls. All your breakers and your waves have gone over me. This is God's work in our life. He's calling us. He's speaking to us, and he's speaking in the deep places. If you haven't heard God in a while, it might be because you've made yourself deaf to the deep places because they're hard. 
God speaks to the deep places. So if you want to hear him, allow yourself to hear him speak to your deep spots, to your deep places. I know we got to do communion and finish this, but Isaac went and recovered and contended for the unearthing of wells that Abraham had established. And he contended for those and he dug up the old wells. And I want to say this is that there's might have been places in your life that had been buried, that had been disconnected. And the deep places of your life might have been circumstantially or generationally buried. I've known many people that are like, I don't even know how to feel anymore. I was, I was uh, friends with a guy, and I'm still friends with him, but he told me about his testimony of getting free from meth and stuff. And he told me it took like two or three years before he could actually access emotional interactions with God. That drug use and the recovery of it had so disconnected him and so buried these deep wells of emotional connection with God. It took two or three years. And he's like, I remember the first time I cried with God. I remember the first time I felt God. So you might see areas in your life where it's just like that's cut off and that's buried because I experienced so much pain there. I want to call you out of this place. I want to invite you to allow God to go and unearth buried wells, unearth them. One, he will address the fear and the toxicity and the poison and the pain and the brokenness. Of course, absolutely. I want to tell you, though, how he's going to handle you. God doesn't condemn you in your place of brokenness. He repairs you. God doesn't look at that beat down Pinto and go, oh, what a jacked up car. He restores it. God doesn't look at your places of disconnect and go, what a loser. He, he goes to reconnect. He doesn't look at your places of fear and go, come on, pick it up. Get tough. He goes and he brings his love and he gets it out of there. Allow God to visit those burial grounds where you've covered up or life has covered up the wells. Allow him to go deep. Allow him to start digging and digging and digging and digging and digging. And digging. And if you've ever dig if you've ever dug in Vegas, it takes time. Sometimes you need to get help. I remember I dug in a trampoline and, and for those of that are gonna be uh, if the communion people can come up, I dug a trampoline in Vegas and I uh, I got a mini excavator that was really helpful. But I got this after I invited a few youth to help me. And we didn't get very far. So I was like, I need help, you know, I need, uh, I need instruments, I need tools, I need expertise. So I talked to people that knew more about it. And for some of you, you've got to be willing to let the blessings in others bless you in those places of buried wells. Like uh, I'll talk to Tim a, a, a lot. In the last two years or so, I've been through a lot. And so Tim and I will have conversations and he'll, he'll challenge me in areas that he has a real blessing in. He has a real stronghold of God. That's, we don't usually use the word stronghold to relate to God, but he's got this place of fortified grace for freedom in the heart, for true, true heart freedom. And I love it. We'll talk, and he'll, he'll challenge places. He'll talk to me about places. And I lend to his, you might say, expertise or insight to provoke me to fuller freedom, to a fuller healing. And this is something that you may need to open up the door for someone else to bring their grace and their blessing into your life in that place that you've got a curse or a bondage or brokenness. It's okay to get help from others. It's okay. God loves you so much and he's sending people into your life so you can be blessed. People are in your life probably already 
You just haven't given them the opportunity to bless you. Can you stand with me today? We're going to receive communion as a family. Thank you for listening to The Mountain Podcast. The Mountain Church is located in Las Vegas, Nevada, with services happening every Sunday at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. If you'd like to know more about The Mountain Church, please visit us at themtnchurch.com or watch one of our services on YouTube. Again, thank you for tuning in.